we actually don't have a choice over what traumatizes us. Our brain has a reaction to something that happened during the birth that creates a trauma response. There are lots of people who experience birth trauma and never rise to the the level of meeting criteria for PTSD, but that doesn't mean they don't have symptoms of PTSD. So a lot of the symptoms of PTSD, nightmares, flashbacks, hypervigilance, just feeling awful and overwhelmed and flooded anytime you think about the birth. When we have a trauma memory because of the way that it gets processed, when we think about it, it feels like it's happening right now in that moment. And that's why someone becomes super flooded, overstimulated, and feeling, for lack of a better term, absolutely awful. Hey guys, my name is Shayla. Welcome to the Hey Shayla podcast. I went from full-time travel to full-time new COVID mom and holy Wow, is motherhood and adulting a learning curve? There are so many decisions we need to make and a million ways to do it right. I created this podcast to interview some of my gurus to share their knowledge and empower you on your journey. Let me be your guinea pig and ask the questions that you think everyone else knows. Here, we're a little hippie. We try to do things as naturally as possible and we don't take ourselves too seriously. But above all, we support one another and work to find what works. If you're into it, you're our people. Let's get started. All right. Thank you guys so much for coming back to the Hey Shayla podcast. Today I have Kaylee Summers on and I am so excited to talk to you. I feel like you run such an incredible space on Instagram called Birth Trauma Mama, and you basically empower women who have had traumatic births, however they define that, and help them kind of work through these feelings. So without me (laughs) saying all the wrong things, how about you start by telling us who you are? I I would love to hear your experience and then how you got into this space. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, Shayla. This is awesome. Um, I'm a therapist by trade, I can say. Um, And I started this space back in January, 2020. Um, And it was about six months after the birth of my son, Callahan. Um, And during his birth, I had something called an amniotic fluid embolism, which is um, a very rare, thankfully, but catastrophic um, of such a complication. And the survival rates are really low. I was very, very lucky to just be sort of like right place, right time. um, And I survived. But because of that, and I'm happy to get more into that as we, as we talk, but because of that, um, my postpartum was incredibly difficult, um, both physically, but especially emotionally. And I didn't feel like there was any information out there about birth trauma. Um, I had seen like a few sort of like random stories, but no space dedicated to speaking to birth trauma, what it's like to go through it and how and if you can heal from it. Um, And so that's why I started the Birth Trauma Mama, because I wanted people to have that space to go to where they could just feel like they were seen and heard for what they've experienced. Um, And birth trauma itself just isn't talked about enough, and it's really not well understood. Um, a lot of people think that they are suffering from like traditional postpartum depression, but the, mm-hmm. the, um, symptoms aren't lining up. They're like, no, that that's not exactly Quite, what yeah. Cause there's these like flashbacks and nightmares and hypervigilance that has like a feeling of some PPA maybe, but it again, doesn't quite fit. 
Um, yeah. And that's yeah. when people will read something on my page or something that someone else posts and are like, oh my God, yes, I didn't know that birth trauma was a thing and now it has a name and this is amazing. And that is sort of what I felt like I needed when I was early on in postpartum. Totally. And to be a therapist that can help, were you, what, were you like a specific kind of therapist or are you, I guess? So I'm a social worker. Okay. So I have my in social work. And then, um, I work currently as a therapist at a boarding school. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just feel like you, you have the tools to be able to actually tangibly help somebody instead of just sharing your experience, which is also very helpful, but to have the, the training and the resources and the information to do all of that, I think is really incredible. And uh, I obviously stalked you a little bit before we started here. And when you had, well, like after you gave birth, you were, it was like coma kind of, right. Were you aware? Yeah. So I can take you through sort of a quick version of events of my birth. Um, so I had a healthy pregnancy. Um, the only thing was that I was like, my baby is huge. And oh, really? everyone, yeah, everyone was kind of like, yeah, you're, you're a first time mom. I'm sure he feels huge, but you're measuring right on track. Like you're totally fine. Okay. I was like, okay, but my baby is huge. (laughs) Um, and anyway, that, that was the only sort of like thing. And he was was pounds, 14 ounces. So I went that one. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That is a, that is a huge baby. Yes. Okay. Um, So Anyway, um, I had a completely healthy pregnancy. Um, I was 40 weeks and two days, and I started to have some high blood pressure readings in the office. So they sent me into um, triage because that's their protocol when you're when you're past dates, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, I really thought it was due to my anxiety. It did go back down, but I also was really concerned about a large baby, regardless of like. I know that we can all birth big babies, right. et cetera. I just had my own anxiety about what that meant for me and my body. Yeah. I'm not like a super large person, yeah. a normal size. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, they offered an induction and I agree. I, I made the decision that an induction felt best to me at that point. Yeah. Um, so I had two days of an induction. Um, so their biggest thing was, the, I was very concerned about a C-section. Um, I was very concerned I was going to do like 48 to 72 hours of labor and be exhausted and not be able to push and therefore have to get a C-section. Right. So um, I kept like telling them that and they were like, listen, the biggest predictor of that is if we rush this process. Like if we spike that Pitocin and like the, lots of bad things can happen. So it was a very slow process, but I felt good about that. Yeah. Um, but um on day three, so I was I was admitted on Monday, labored on Tuesday, got a Foley bowl, balloon, got everything, Pitocin. Um, by Wednesday morning, around 11, I was finally 10 centimeters and um, ready to push. And when I was 10 centimeters, my doctor came in, checked me and was like, all right, it's go time. Yeah, let's yeah. go. Yeah, fine. I was like, finally, my God. Yeah, right. No, d- yeah. you got an epidural too, yeah? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, three <laughs> days of labor. Okay. <laughs> Through that. And so I and so I will say, like, 
Okay. So I was admitted on Monday at like maybe three and that whole day they had in service. Um, just to sort of get things going. And then Tuesday, I was hard Tuesday. I labored most of the day without an epidural with, um, like coupling contractions, like one on top of another. And I was just like, no, thanks. It's time. Um, so by like 5 PM, um, that night they, they put in the epidural. Yeah. And then Wednesday around, um, yeah, around like 11 noon, my doctor came in, checked me 10 centimeters, um, and then she left to go like gown up and do all the things. And yeah. my nurse was about to teach me how to push. And um, I do not have any memory of this, just to be clear. But what I was told by both my nurse and my husband was that I said, I'm not feeling well. Um, I turned to my nurse and said, I'm not feeling well. And she said, okay, that's normal for transition. Like I'll get you a bag to, to be sick in. And I said, nope, I really don't feel well. And she was like, okay. And I started screaming that something was wrong with my heart. Um, and then I collapsed and went into cardiopulmonary arrest. In oh. front of my husband. Yeah. What does that mean? So cardiac arrest and also breathing. So just, I basically was clinically dead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So that my fast. Yeah. So with amniotic fluid embolism, we don't know a lot because research on it is minimal. But it's, it's basically what happens is you have what is like, it's not an anaphylactic reaction. There's no way to reverse it, but it's a similar mechanism in the body. So your body just goes completely haywire based on the amniotic fluid that got into maternal circulation. Um, so it's, it's common for amniotic fluid to get into maternal circulation through like tears in the uterus or things like that. It happens in a lot, a lot of births. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's a small subset of us for some reason that we do not know that has this catastrophic reaction to it. Wow. So at that point, um, they got me out of my room within like 30 seconds. A code blue was called overhead. So like family was, my parents were in the waiting room. They ha- they heard the code blue for my room. Um, I don't know what code blue means. I read that in a few of your posts. Yes. Okay. So code blue is, and this is the funny part of the story is that my sister-in-law, when she found out my, my brother's wife texted her sister, who's, who was an OB, I think at like a, an a OB resident at the time or med, medical school, regardless, she knew a lot yeah. <laughs> and, texted her and was like, so like they said a code blue, but it can't be like a code blue, like the movies, right? Like, it's not, it's not like that. And she was like, what do you mean they called a code blue? Like, so a code blue is that typically someone is going into cardiac arrest or, um, like it's, it's a rapid response. Like every, so it was all throughout the hospital. So it was a code blue L and D room two thirty, And so code blues don't get called for L and D like, right. So like all hands on deck, if you are, yeah. Yes. So oh like 10, 12 doctors I'm sure. running into the room. Um, my mom actually was, she was in the room with us when the doctor told us I was 10 centimeters and we asked her to be in the room. Yeah. Um, because we had, to, we had changed our minds. We wanted her to be there. And she actually left to go tell my dad in the waiting room that she was going to be in the room for the birth. And that's yeah. when the code blue got called. So when she tried to get back to my room, they would there was just like 20 people sprinting down oh the hall. Oh my gosh. Um, and they would not let her back. Yeah. Um, 
so from there, they, they got me to the OR while they were doing CPR on me and Cal's still inside. Yeah. Yeah. So the best treatment for someone who's having a cardiovascular collapse, um, in this case I was because of an AFE, is to get the baby out as soon as possible if you can't get the person resuscitated within like four minutes. Um, so yeah, so they were doing CPR. They got me to the OR. My amazing OB, who I'm actually going to go have dinner with tonight. Oh. Um, so, yeah, we still keep in touch regularly. She's awesome. <laughs> Um, she got Cal out within six minutes from, Whoa. from my couple. Yeah. So that's incredible. She, it was, it was like a, they call it like a splash and dash maybe. I forget. They just like splash the, whatever it is, iodine and beta nine, whatever it is. Yeah. Like cut you open. Yeah. And baby out. So they were still doing CPR at this point. Um, my OB remembers how hard it was to stitch me back up because CPR is like really aggressive. Yeah. Um, so I was down for like nine minutes, I think, um, that they were doing CPR and he had been born. His first APGAR was like a one, but then he recovered really, really well. And oh, he was wow. like eight at five minutes and a nine at 10 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, he did surprisingly well, especially because they got him out so early. And maybe because he was huge. And maybe he was a full-grown toddler walking out. <laughs> maybe because he was already a toddler. <laughs> insane. Um, so yeah. So they get you back. I'm sorry, what'd you say? They get you back. Yes. Okay. So yes, they resuscitated me. At this point, my OB assumed I was having an amniotic fluid embolism. Oh, wow. Because there's, there's not like... There's a few different differential diagnoses, but there's not a whole lot for someone, a healthy pregnant woman going into full cardiac arrest with no sort of reason. Right. Um, there are a couple of different things, but they would have shown right. other symptoms. Um, so with AFV, there's typically the cardiovascular collapse and then um, DIC which is disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, which is where your body actually creates mini clots all over. It consumes all of the clotting factors that you have because of all those mini clots. And so you bleed out and you bleed out like excessively. Um, so they try to preempt that by putting in like a Bakri balloon, which is like a balloon in your uterus that puts pressure um, because where most of the bleeding will be coming from is obviously your uterus where the placenta was right. and it were cut like I was my C-section yeah. um, incision. So they, for the next like two hours, we're just trying to put blood in as fast as it was coming out. Oh my gosh. Um, and I, I went into cardiac arrest again because of the blood loss. So they had to start CPR again another like four or five minutes and then um once they were able to get me resuscitated I was still really unstable and so my heart and lungs just weren't working in the way that they should have been so they called another hospital for something called ECMO which is actually a lot like we talk about it a lot more now because of COVID a lot of people that have extreme cases of COVID are being put on ECMO mm. And basically what it does is it takes all of the blood 
out of your body, oxygenates it and puts it back in. So it does the job. So that's the job of your lungs. And then for me, my heart wasn't working well either. So I had both the lung and heart version of ECMO, which is called VA ECMO. And it also circulates, it perfuses your body too. Wow. So do you think because she assumed it was this EFE, AFE, (laughs) I'm looking at my notes. (laughs) That's why things happen so quickly. Like she was just like, we're going to treat it for this. Go. Yeah. So with AFE, the only thing that you can do is supportive measures. So there is no reversal. There is no like treatment that makes it stop. So all you can do is try to play catch up. So even with the, so I was very lucky to be in a hospital that had enough blood product. I needed 143 units of blood product. Um, and a place that could get ECMO so quickly and just doctors that knew what they were doing along with trauma surgeons and all kinds of things. But even with all of that in the best medical center that you could ever be in, um, with the highest level of care, which isn't even where I was, Um, But if you have all of that, you can still die of an AFE because it's so aggressive and catastrophic. And it really depends on how that person's body reacts to the supportive treatment measures. Wow. So do you wish that you would have known that like something like this was possible in your pregnancy? Do you think that would have helped you prepare I mean, you can't really do anything differently, I guess. I don't know. Right. This is a really great question. And I get this a lot when I post about my story, especially on like TikTok, um, where I do a lot more of like the medical and AFE side of things. Um, I get a lot of like, well, if it's unpreventable and unpredictable, why are you sharing it? There's two reasons. One is to raise awareness to get more funding um, Mm -hmm. for AFE so that we actually can figure out. Yeah. uh, why and how to prevent right. this. Um, two is the birth trauma piece of things. I don't know that we can necessarily prevent birth trauma by talking about complications in that simplistic of a way. But what we can do is when we talk about these things, when we talk about complications that can occur in birth, when they do happen and that person comes out the other side, it doesn't mean they won't be traumatized, but they'll be like, okay. I heard about this. I know what's happening to me. I know where I can go and I know what to do. Yep. And yeah. that is a huge difference than landing on the other side with no idea that complications could have ever happened to you and being sort of belly up with no idea what to do. Yeah. And not having any sort of resources of support or help or information or anything. So if somebody sees your page and they're like, okay, that's, or they listen to this podcast and then they go on to have some whatever traumatic birth that they have, they're like, okay, there was a podcast, there was an Instagram account, there was something, there were resources. Who could I? Yeah. I think that that's super helpful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's hard. It is hard because yeah. I mean, anytime you're sharing something that's difficult or um, challenging to share or to listen to, (coughs) you have to know your why. And obviously your why is to help support people on the other side. And I think that that's really empowering and incredible. Thanks. All right, let's take a brief break to talk about the California Beach Co. The California Beach Co. was this magical baby item that I found when I was trying to figure out how to contain my baby. My mom found a playpen that was like super bulky and heavy. Putting together a pack and play is 
will make you sweat. This thing is literally up and down in seconds. It is super lightweight, super compact. You can travel with it. We set it up in our living room. You can go to the beach with it, obviously, the California Beach Co. I think they're always running a sale, but you can get an extra 10% off with my affiliate code, Hey Shayla. Everybody that I know that's bought this loves it. And get the mattress. People are like, do we need the mattress? Do we not need the mattress? Yes, otherwise it's just on the floor. So if they fall, they're not getting hurt, get the mattress. If you go to my website, heyshayla.com backslash my dash favorites, you'll see a video of me popping it up and popping it down and how easy it is. Okay, let's get back to it. And it's, I saw another post where you're like, oh, you posted a video of yourself pregnant. And you're like, this, this woman had no idea what was coming. And she just like thought, and that's the thing is like, when you're preparing for birth, you're like, mm, I want to have a natural birth. You're like, oh, I'm going in for a scheduled C-section or like you have this idea of what's going to happen, but you really have no idea what's going to happen. And even like for me, I've already been through one birth labor and I'm about to go into another one and I'm like, oh, it'll be like the other one. No big deal. And second time, third time, fourth time moms are like, no, no, <laughs> each one is its own thing. And I still haven't wrapped my head around that. I'm just like, okay, well, we're just going to see what happens and roll with it. And I don't know. It's, it's hard to prepare. It is. And I, I don't think that you like, there's, first of all, I'm obviously sharing a very severe story and a very rare occurrence, a very rare complication. There's a whole spectrum of birth trauma and all of that trauma is valid. And some of it doesn't actually involve any sort of like physically severe instance, but like treatment during birth or coercion or so many different things. It's such a vulnerable time. And go into that a little bit more. Cause yeah. I, cause I saw that on your page as well. And I thought that that was super valid. Like, Oh, a nurse didn't ask me something and did something without my permission. Do I have valid birth trauma? Like valid birth trauma. Nobody yeah. needs to valid. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah. It's something that, so coming out of birth itself, society is very like healthy mom, healthy baby. You're good to go everyone made it. Oh my God. That would even to me like, Oh my God, that, that was scary. But like, you're good now look at you and look at your baby and everything's fine. And so I think that's a piece too, that when people come out of birth and are traumatized in a way that doesn't have like a physical thing tied to it, say they feel even less valid mm-hmm. in being able to label it trauma when we actually don't have a choice over what traumatizes us. Like our brain has a reaction to something that happened during the birth that creates a trauma response. That is a very specific thing. Um, And it is a physiological thing in our central nervous system, including our brain. So we can't actually choose. And what what would you say is a trauma response? Yeah. So sit like, and this is something also, I think people don't understand is there are lots of people who experience birth trauma and never rise to to the level of meeting criteria for PTSD, but that doesn't mean they don't have symptoms of PTSD. Right. Right. So, so a lot of the symptoms of PTSD, like, um, nightmares, flashbacks, hypervigilance, um, just feeling awful and overwhelmed and flooded anytime you think about the birth. Um, and I think 
a big one is the, the way that we store trauma memories is different than the way that we store normal everyday memories. Mm. We can look back on our childhood and think about, I don't know, either a good or a bad memory. And we're thinking back to that memory. When we have a trauma memory because of the way that it gets processed, when we think about it, it feels like it's happening right now in that moment. And that's why someone becomes super flooded, overstimulated and feeling for lack of a better term, absolutely awful. Got it. Yeah. That's so interesting. So exactly what you're saying, like your brain kind of decides that and it decides how it's going to process it and then how you're going to remember it and experience it moving forward. Exactly. Wow. Okay. So then what, what if somebody listening is like, okay, spot on. that's how I feel about any part of my birth, then what, what would you recommend? My biggest overall recommendation is therapy. Um, I have seen it work miracles for many, many people. Um, I think specifically getting into therapy with someone who specializes in perinatal mental health, postpartum, Mm -hmm. specifically trauma. Um, there's, there's more and more people, who are starting to recognize the significance of birth trauma and therefore are more trained in sort of the combination of perinatal mental health and trauma. And I really do think it's, I I mean, whoever you can find that you feel comfortable with that you feel like is helping you is great. I do find value in someone who is trained in both of those areas, really understanding birth trauma. Yeah. And another um, big thing for trauma survivors is EMDR therapy. Um, So people um, who have been through trauma often have things like flashbacks and nightmares and EMDR really, the goal is to pinpoint those memories that are misprocessed or not processed correctly. Mm -hmm. It sort of pulls them back out, reprocesses them appropriately through um, eye movement, possibly some other things depending on the clinician. Um, and that actually helps to reprocess those memories appropriately. So they don't have the same trigger that comes with them. Oh, wow. It's not going to take away. And I think this is important to know. It's not going to take away feeling sad about your birth. It's not going to take away feeling angry about your birth, if that's how you feel, but it will take away that intense trigger. That's the goal of EMDR. Is typically a person who has the post- partum and trauma training also having that, or is that going to be a separate therapy? It is a separate therapy. So they have to be trained in EMDR. Got it. And what does that stand for? Eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy. Yeah. I'm a huge advocate of therapy. I think that it helps in so many ways. And I was recently talking to somebody who's like postpartum, like trained therapist. I was like, do you like it more to have that? And she was like, yeah, because she can tell you like, this is super typical. A lot of the moms that come in have this, da, 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 da. It, like it just is more specialized instead of a marriage and family therapy therapist or whatever. It's, it's more specific for what you're going through and can kind of help you with your specific things, which I was like, oh, that makes sense, I guess. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's really interesting. And I feel like what you could just Google like postpartum trauma therapist in my area or something. 
yeah, you probably won't find much with that. Okay. But, um, <laughs> I'm glad I asked that. <laughs> yeah. Again, that combination is, is really tough. I will say that there are a lot of people who have an understanding of trauma who work in the, like who have the perinatal mental health certificate. Postpartum Support International is an amazing resource. Okay. They have a directory on their website that has um, professionals who have taken the, the PMHC training. I'm gonna write that down. Is there a time? I mean, I would say the sooner you can get into therapy, the better. But if you're seven years out from your birth, is it too late to go? No. No, it's never too late. It is right. never too late to go to therapy and start to work on this. I have people who come onto my page who are like, I had my child 25 years ago and I never realized, I get a lot of those actually. I've and I never it. realized that what I had experienced with birth, birth trauma, like, thank you so much. And I'm going to start therapy. And I'm wow. Yeah. It's really cool. Oh my gosh. Is, is that not the coolest thing it's to so like, cool. yes, to be able to impact someone like that, where you're like, I'm so happy that you found my page and that that was the outcome that you're now 25 years later feeling valid enough to go to therapy. That's incredible. Yeah, it's awesome. Oh, that just like, thanks for doing what you do. That's so, that's amazing. I mean, that's like, that's like the whole point. And you had sort of brought it up earlier. Like I basically sat down one day and was like, okay, this is my human skill set. This is what, what am I trained in? Okay. I, I do therapy. I do emotions. So like, I'm not going to be able to help on the AFE research side of things. I'm not a medical professional. I, you know, whatever. I'm not going to be able to help on that side as much as I would love to. I'm like a medical hobbyist. I love everything, like medical research, but, um, like I was like, Kaylee, what, what can you do? Like, what can you offer? that lies within your skill set. And I was like, well, I'm a therapist. Like I need to help support people who this has happened to. Um, and there are lots of people out there who do amazing work, like in the prevention piece too. Mm. And that's also not, I don't not do that, but like, that's yeah. not my expertise. I'm not a nurse training nurses. I'm not, you know, um, mine is that unfortunately, even if we continue to get better at care so that people aren't that, that we have trauma-informed care so that people aren't being traumatized by their treatment we are still going to always have catastrophic complications unfortunately yeah and those people need somewhere to go yeah and that was always sort of my goal I love that you sat down and figured out like what is my where can I actually help and where am I going to be because if you try and step into a space that's not fully authentic or like fully in your wheelhouse, then you're questioning yourself and you're not as helpful or whatever. So if you're like, okay, that's amazing. I love learning about it, but I'm not that. This is this is what I am. This is where I help. And I feel like that's why you're so effective at what you do because you know what you're good at and you do that over and over. You're, yeah. Oh, yeah. Your pages. It's so just, uh, intense and there's so many feels and it's it's amazing thank you so as if I know that my friend had a traumatic experience and I'm like thinking of a few people now that I've definitely will check in with again because they'll be like oh yeah it wasn't the birth I wanted haha I'm like okay 
And especially because I had an uncomplicated birth and I'm like this, Ooh, natural birthing and let's do hypnobirthing and let's do all these like, blah, 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 whatever. And so I'm, I'm kind of a resource for that. I feel like sometimes people are ashamed to share their story with me. And I'm like, yeah, like, no, that's like, even my hypnobirthing, I'm like, this will help you. If you do have a C-section, it helps you just like calm and relax and go with what's happening and whatever. And I, I want it to be welcome anything. So it, it, if I'm going to go check in on someone that says, oh yeah, it wasn't ideal, whatever, or somebody that I know, another woman that I know who has had a traumatic birth, what is the best way that I can support them? What are things that I should, it's always so hard because you don't want to say the wrong thing, but you want to be, you want to address it if they want to talk about it. So can you walk me through how to approach that? I think the biggest things like it, yes, you don't want to say the wrong thing, but most of the time, if you are like an empathetic human being, you're probably not saying the wrong thing. Something that I think is helpful to check in with you with yourself. Am I trying to make myself feel better because I'm uncomfortable Hmm. or am I actually trying to make them feel better? And what I mean by that is when we're trying to make ourselves more comfortable with the situation, we often deploy like some toxic positivity. Like at least you guys are okay at home or um, at least you, I don't know, have kids, like you, you've had kids. It's like an infertility one that often happens. Like at least you have a kid, at least your baby didn't die. At least like all of these things, at least, at least, at least, at least it was only a C-section. At least you can try for a VBAC next time. Like we try to rush to the like silver linings of a situation mm-hmm. and it just completely invalidates um, the process that that person is going through. So oh, that's good. Yeah. So in recommending like what to say, I would just say like, if, if the example is someone saying the birth didn't go as I expected, haha, saying like, I'm so sorry, that must've been really difficult. I'm here. If you want to talk about it, I'd, I'd love to hear it when you're feeling ready to process that, because I know how difficult that can be to go through. Oh my gosh. That's so simple, but so powerful. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and it's, it's also kind of being like, I heard what you said. Yes. I heard the haha at the end, but I heard what you said. And if that's something that you want to talk about, I'm here. And they might say, oh my God, no, I'm totally fine. Yeah. Okay. And I just want you to know that if that changes, I'm here. Because six weeks down the line, they might remember that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I, and like we kind of said before, I feel like everybody, like people don't know how to define that they've had trauma. And that's the only thing that I can relate to is that I've had a few miscarriages and it's similar in the, in the sense of like that people like, Oh, you were only six weeks or like, Oh, it was, or even I would do that. It was a, it was a blighted ovum. So that just means that the baby stopped growing, but my body was like, Oh no, we are pregnant, like hormones, all the things. And so then I was like, am I even having a miscarriage if I'm not passing a baby? And you just start invalidating your experience and your feelings. And you're like, Oh, but it would have been worse if there was a baby. And like somebody that that happened to that, I can't talk on that. Or there's just so many ways that you invalidate your own experience and your own feelings instead of going, okay, yeah, people are definitely having it worse. And some people are not having it as bad, but that doesn't, that's irrelevant. Like I'm, yeah. 
and what I saw something that was like, if you break your arm, but somebody else, I don't know. Is it a full body cast? Yeah. You're like, oh, okay. Well, I guess my arm doesn't, my arm's fine. It's like, well, no, your arm is still broken. Yeah. It still hurts. Yeah. And so I think I love that we were able to define like what trauma is and how that feels differently than like postpartum depression or postpartum anxiety so that people can go, oh, yep. Yep. That's what I'm feeling. And, and they didn't experience what you experienced, but they experienced something different. And I think that that's so helpful to kind of have some, I mean, not that you need the the checklist or the guidelines, but just some things that resonate more with you than other things. You're like, okay, maybe this is what I have experienced. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we're going to talk about probiotics. Love bug probiotics specifically. I took these probiotics all through pregnancy, all postpartum, and now I'm giving them to my toddler as she's more on solids and less on breast milk. During pregnancy, it helps my gut biome. It helps seed the gut biome for my baby. And we know that a healthy gut contributes to a healthy immune system. You can take their prenatal probiotics right along with your prenatal vitamins. And they have a subscription option. So you can just get them delivered to you exactly when you run out. I do not like subscription things, but I love them for my vitamins so that I never have to run out. I have an affiliate code, Hey Shayla, for 15% off. I hope you love them. Let's get back to it. And I, I think there's also, you know, whether it's trauma or grief, either one gets so invalidated, um, right? Like even just grief in general, we are so uncomfortable with grief, especially when it doesn't have to do with death, but even when it has to do with death, we're still very uncomfortable with it. Yeah. We do a lot of the like, oh, but look how wonderful this is. Look how wonderful this is. Look how wonderful this is. Don't pay attention to that big, dark, black hole (laughs) that you're literally sitting in. You can't avoid it, but like, just don't pay attention and look at all this wonderful, bright, rainbow, shiny stuff over here. Well, and and especially with like motherhood, it is, Mm -hmm. you have this baby now. This is such a miracle. This is, and I had very, I don't know that it's postpartum, PPD or PPA. I don't know. I don't know that. And even now I'm like, I probably what that probably wasn't what I think it was just like baby blues or whatever, but you feel bad talking about it or you feel. And, and for me, I try and share a lot of like the real stuff. Like I'm having a really hard time. And sometimes I'm like, am I just complaining to everybody about this? Or am I actually helping somebody else who's experiencing this? Or like, it's just so hard to navigate all the things. And I think stop stopping comparing and stop looking at everyone else's experience and just like zeroing in on you and going inside and being like, how do I feel irrelevant of how anybody else thinks I should feel irrelevant of that? I do love my baby and that I am happy about it. I still have these feelings. And like you said, you're sitting in that dark cloud and it's like acknowledging that I feel like it's the only way to lessen it. You are 110% correct. The moment that I stopped feeling guilty for having negative feelings, right? Because I was told over and over again for two weeks in the ICU, right? You shouldn't be alive. Right. You shouldn't be alive. I can't believe you're alive. Oh my God, this is crazy. So, and then like there were, there was a mom a month after me, same medical care happened at 10 centimeters she didn't make it 
And so I'm sitting there like, how can I not just be anything but grateful to be right. here? And I was, and I was also devastated because also this shouldn't have happened and it's no one's fault, but it also shouldn't have been my experience. And I get to be sad and angry about that. And once I was able to accept that and feel that without kicking myself for not feeling grateful all hours of the day, I was able to start more of that sort of healing process. Yeah. Oh, there it's, what is that? Just the human experience is just so complicated. <laughs> yeah. We, yeah, we, we just struggle with negative emotions. We don't want to feel them. And we're in a situation that already has so much guilt paired with it, like motherhood, right? We're supposed to be this martyr. And I think a lot of people who have birth trauma in a way that is different than mine say, like there are certain things about my birth trauma. Listen, it was awful. I'm totally on board with that, but there are certain things that have made it easier for me to exist in this space and talk about my story and get the support I need. And that is that it was so catastrophic and severe that no one could ever invalidate my story. Right. So like I, it, it's, it's, I personally think, I, I mean, again, pros and cons. I personally think that it can be harder sometimes to have a less severe birth trauma because you're constantly invalidated. Mm-hmm. Like at least I can be like, I was on ECMO. I lost my uterus. Like I, please, yeah. you know, <laughs> I literally was dead when I gave birth to my child. Right. I have no ground to stand on. Oh, that's so and interesting. Like, right. Right. And so I, and so that was another piece that I, I was like, I have to be able to use this to, be able to help people understand that it's not just this story, that there are all of these stories and all of these different severities and all of these different categories of birth trauma, because I can put my story out there in a way that like, Nobody you can question, that, like you're yeah. right. And the other side of that too, is that I got very lucky that my baby was okay. He spent one night in the NICU just like for precaution. And then he was just boarded because again, he was a toddler <laughs> and so the, the attention and the focus was on me mm-hmm. and was on my health and how I was doing. It wasn't on cows. And I think that often that is the opposite. Oh, agreed. Like yeah. almost like 99% of the time. Yeah. So I got a lot of the like attention. Are you okay? How are you doing? Right. Because I had the, you know, complications and he didn't. Right. And he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and that's, that's another piece that I'm like digging in right now is postpartum stuff, especially in the United States is super dismissive of the mother. And like, I'm, I'm having somebody from the Netherlands on who's a midwife and they have, I don't, I have no idea how to say it. I'm not even going to try, but it's, everyone calls them angels, but essentially it's like a postpartum doula who like comes to your house, make sure that you have breastfeeding down, feeds you, cleans you. And that's like, standard care. And now I'm reading the first 40 days, which is a Chinese tradition, but she goes into how the Latinas do it or Latinos do it. And how like different cultures have these things where they just care for the mother so intensely. And like, yeah, the baby's there, but the baby's, the baby is getting cared for by the mother. So we need to care for the mother so that the baby can be cared for. And it's just the way that it is here. It's I mean, my six week postpartum appointment was virtual. (laughs) 
And at the time I was like, yeah, this is, yeah. I'm like going on walks. I'm doing all these, like we just did the virtual is fine. This is totally great. What? (laughs) It's insane. And so I just, yeah, I think that definitely your experience because the focus, the, yeah, I don't, I don't know what to say. The trauma was on you and that he was okay. It's nice that it was, um, focused on you, but I think it's good that you even now are saying, yeah, but if it's not, that makes it hard. And like, you kind of have to advocate for yourself, which is so challenging when you're bleeding out of it. Like all of your orifices are leaking. (laughs) Like everything is going so challenging. And you're trying to figure out what the hell is happening because this is a new stage of life for you to ask for help is just like, yeah. Yeah. So if I know somebody that has had and I think, I think it's more common than not to have some sort of thing that didn't go exactly as you wanted in your birth that you traumatic or not, that you're not happy with. Right. So There's difficult births too, that are not traumatic, but they're still difficult and have a lot of feelings wrapped up in them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So how, I feel like if we're, if I'm sitting in a group of people and some people are sharing, I would just be like, not going to share my story. Like I had a very uncomplicated, very, like I had the birth that I wanted. How do I, do I just be like, I'm, yeah, I'm not going to pass. Like, I don't want to talk about it. Cause I don't want to make anything <laughs> valid or like, yeah. So I, and I never want anyone to like not share their story. Cause that's the same thing as people being like, don't scare women with your birth trauma story, which I get all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so that's the same thing. And so I personally think the best way to go about that is to just acknowledge the elephant in the room. I have come across so many people who like, I'm, I'm, I'm a great compartmentalizer. So I can like, I can listen to your birth stories. I can listen to you being pregnant. I can do all of these things, but then like, after that, I'll be like, why did this like person in my life, like literally rattle off my ear about like the baby kicks and like all of the things that like I had a hysterectomy I'll never have again without just like, like, I don't want them to not do that. Right. Acknowledge like, Hey, I know this is probably really hard for you. Is it cool? If I talk, like, do you want me to talk about it and not talk about it? And I'm like, no, yeah. please, I want to hear all about it. Cause I actually do. And not yeah. everyone will be like that. Everyone will need boundaries. Yeah. And that, but I think in, in that case, I would just say like, so my birth was uncomplicated and I know that might not feel good. Are you still okay with me sharing? I'd, I'd still like to share it and be a part of this conversation. Right. And I'm sure that most of them will be like, yeah, yeah absolutely. And if you're in a circle of people, my opinion is if there is a person that struggles with that, they need to leave the conversation and that's completely appropriate for them to do. Totally. They have a boundary around like not being able at that point in their recovery to hear perfect births. I tell people unfollow. I tell people, but it's your, it's your job though, to put up that boundary. It's not other people's. It's their job to say the like, Hey, I know this could be triggering. Is it cool if I proceed? Yeah. Well, and I think that's a good point too, is that everybody is so individual. Like some people might not be good compartmentalizers, so they do need to leave or they just go, 
it's too soon. Like I'm not quite ready. And like, just say that. (laughs) Yeah. But just checking in with them to see where they are, I think is probably the best way to not say something. Yes. Insensitive. Literally just communication. I have a reel on this exact example with just like you and a friend, if you were to just start like, you know, your two weeks postpartum and be like, oh my God, the birth was the most amazing thing ever. And the person who has had a traumatic birth is like, I cannot wait to hear all about it in every detail. I'm just not in the headspace where I can do that. And it has nothing to do with you and everything to do with me. And like, I'm working on it. But that takes so like, I feel like that person is already in therapy going through this, learning that they need to set those boundaries instead of just going, yeah, of course that's fine. And then like crying themselves to sleep because after my miscarriages, pregnancy announcements are hard. Not that you're not happy for the person, not that you're not excited that it has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with you. And then to figure out how to manage that properly. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard. That's why I do like in case people, that's why I like, I do, I have a bunch of like, um, what's it called? Like role play reels on like how to react when family's like, Oh, at least the baby's okay. At least you're healthy or how to react when, someone at the supermarket is like oh my god he's so cute aren't you so excited to have another one you're like no because my uterus was taken away (laughs) like like sometimes sometimes I go real blunt and sometimes I'm just like oh yeah yeah, yeah." I move along depends depends on my mood so what do you what are some of your suggestions for that (laughs) Um, (laughs) in the reels (laughs) the other the other the the reels are typically just like um for someone that says that I, if I'm in the mood, I will just to say like, no, I, I unfortunately can't have any more children, which is why that's a really rough question. Um, but like I had, I had someone the other day, like a, a, someone I, an acquaintance, I will say, um, somewhere random just to say like, oh, how's, how's your son? And I was like, oh, he's doing well, getting so big, like almost two and a half or something and she was like oh well that's that just means it's time for another one right and I was like oh I can't do that and she was like oh because the first birth was like too scary I was like no physically I don't have a uterus oh my god and she was like oh my god and I was like yeah I thought you kind of like knew about the story and she was like uh yeah oh I didn't know that you couldn't have anymore and I'm just like this is why we don't say these things yeah right why we just don't um so sometimes I will push back and like and sort of tell my story and other times I honestly will just be like "Uh uh-huh yeah and just walk along because I don't want to yeah it's more it's for you you're like I don't need to go through this right now yes um, and when it comes to family, that's a big one, like dismissive family. I think the, the best way, one of my reels is on this and I say it much better in the reel because you know, you have time to like actually prepare. Um, but it was something along the lines of like, yes, I am so grateful that my baby is okay. And also I'm still really struggling. And I, I, I get that you might not understand that because you haven't been through this and I can appreciate that. But what I'm asking you is to be supportive of me because getting me better is going to let me be a better mom to your grandchild. And that's really what I need to do. And I, again, would really appreciate your support in that. Yeah. Disarming them. We don't want to get into like a, you don't get it. You don't, it just, it's never helpful. Right. Yeah. 
but just like have, I think just having that, those words. Yeah. Okay. So your Instagram, it's the birth trauma underscore mama. There's all these resources, a lot of your story and, and you share, do you share like how to talk to people? What do you like how to support somebody who's had a traumatic oh, birth? Yes. How to talk, do you share how to talk to people? You're like, <laughs> what are you saying? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, we talk about that too. Yeah. Oh we, my gosh. That was another one. Your husband made it because you couldn't remember your house and he made a video of your home. I was, I don't know why it was, <laughs> it was late at night. I was going through your account. I was just sobbing at all of these videos, <laughs> but I was like, that's, because that is such, I mean, he probably wasn't like, I'm going to support her and make this video and send it. He was like, oh, this will be helpful. And just like yeah. shot it over. Yeah. Yeah. But like how supportive and so it sweet. Was. It was, it was very, very sweet. He and was, helpful. Yes. Yes. I was devastated that I couldn't remember. And that was all I needed. I was like, oh my God, of course I remember. Oh yeah. I remember our house. Like, duh. Yeah. I just needed like the the primer basically. yeah do you offer therapy for trauma so right now because I'm still working full-time yeah I don't have the capacity to take on a therapeutic caseload but I do have um consults which are basically like um we meet once or twice and talk through the birth story hold space for that person talk through how it's currently showing up in their life, the trauma, what they're experiencing, ways they can cope with that, and just sort of filling in the gaps of support. Are they connected with the therapist? Is the therapist someone that they feel like they're doing good work with? If not, getting them connected with something that feels good, talking about other resources like books and, and podcasts. Oh gosh. Helpful. Yeah. Yeah. So not only helping them kind of process it a little bit, but then also handing them off to somebody that they can continue care with. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Thanks. Yeah. It's been, it's, I just started in February and it's honestly been amazing. It's so cool to get to connect with people that are in my community in like a face-to-face way and actually support them one-on-one rather than just like through comment sections and DMs. And totally. Stuff. Yeah. I understand that from YouTube, like just yeah. pushing content out. You're like, yeah, comments yeah. are cool, but like actually connecting with humans is also really nice. Absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I I feel like I gained a lot of tools to better support other people. And I hope that anybody listening who like this resonates with now has a resource and I'm just so grateful for your space and everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was wonderful having this conversation with you. And I can also send you um, the postpartum support stuff to put in the notes and AFE support, which is the AFE foundation. So if anyone wants to learn more about amniotic fluid embolism, they can go there too. Or donate. Can they donate to yeah, They can donate too. I just don't like to push that too hard. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, that's important. If somebody's listening and they want to help, that's, yeah. that's the coolest part is that AFE awareness day is actually on Sunday, the 27th. So that's every year it's on that day and it's coming up. Um, March 27th, 2022. Yes. Yeah. If you're listening after 2022, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so I'm going to be running a fundraiser on my page this whole week leading up to the 27th where you can donate. And again, the reason that's important is because we still need the research to figure out why this is happening because it's unpreventable and unpredictable and often ends up being fatal. So we need to keep this from happening so that we can keep moms alive. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad that you're doing that fundraiser. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Where can they find, go to your Instagram page and you'll be talking. Yeah. Yeah. On my Instagram. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much for being on and I will connect with you on the gram. Thank you so much. (laughs) All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please share with somebody you think would love. And I would be so honored if you would subscribe to the podcast and leave a comment and rating below so I can know what you guys are digging, what you want more of, just connect with you a little better. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.